so it is a joy indeed to welcome everybody and it's a, a privilege to be able to uh, meet together and to look at God's Word together. It strikes me that uh, it's possible, just possible, that the most exciting thing that happens in some of our Christian lives is coming to church and singing the songs and the hymns that we sing together. And this evening we've sung some wonderful hymns which speak about all that God has done for us, the encouragement that there is to continue. Thine be the glory. You know, what a great hymn it is, and it's a joy to be able to do that. But it's a shame if that is the most exciting thing that happens in your Christian life, because there is so much to knowing and loving the Lord Jesus Christ than simply coming to church, simply singing hymns that perhaps have rousing tunes. And as we've been looking at these theophanies or these encounters uh, that are contained, uh, particularly in the Old Testament, of the Lord Jesus Christ appearing to different uh, characters, different people, and we've enjoyed looking at them and working our way through them. And we looked last week, if you remember, at um, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> at Jacob, and uh, it was a joy to uh, be able to start that uh, particular study. But I want us to be able to think, what is it? What is the lesson that we need to be able to learn from these encounters that we see? And the one that we have concerning Jacob, perhaps we've understood the story of Jacob is that he wasn't a particularly nice guy. And maybe we thought to ourselves, and we've dwelt upon that aspect of the uh, account uh, where we see that there is deceit that takes place. Uh, we see that there are things that are said and done which simply aren't true, which are deceitful and so on. But as we begin to look at this, we've understood very clearly that God does indeed love this man. Because there are certain attributes of his character that God loves. And there are attributes of our character that we need to think about very carefully. And the one that we'll be talking and discussing this evening is just how determined are we to see God's blessing in our lives? Are we prepared to wrestle with God until we get the blessing that we want in our lives? To what extent are we prepared to go to? To what extent are we prepared uh, to take hold of uh, this thing that we understand to be the Christian life that we have been led into, that we have been brought into? And how much are we prepared to fight to see God's blessing in our lives, to see God working in us and through us, into our families, into the people around us, into those in our fellowship, in our church, perhaps into our community. Do people know that you're a Christian? Have you considered that before? You know, does the guy next door know that you're one of God's children? That you've been saved? That you've nothing to fear? And we've just gone through a period of two years. And aren't you staggered at the fear that has been brought into people's lives through COVID? And it's still there. As Joe and I were walking around uh, at Walmart. Is that where we were? I can't remember now. On, on, uh, on Saturday and on, on, on Friday. Oh yeah, we went out for a meal. That's right. And we had a, 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 a great time. And the, we went in and the... Um, the person that takes you to your seat said, you know, have you got a mask? To which we replied, no. I think we genuinely didn't. And they said, we really ought to wear one. The table was three steps from the door. 
And, and there were people on the table next to us. I, my wife's just commenting here. And they had their masks firmly fixed in place. It was one of those big ones that went right the way around. You know, it covers your ears as well, just to make sure that nothing creeps in that shouldn't do. And people are afraid. And we as Christians should not be afraid because we have a God who has promised that he'll be with us, that he's going to care for us, that he's never going to let us go, never let us out of his sight. But how determined are we to have a close relationship with him? Jacob, you know, you can say a lot of things about Jacob, but he was determined there's no, no doubt about that. And as Chris was reading the scriptures, didn't you notice uh, the determination that takes place, this fight that, uh, or this wrestling match that takes place? Then Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled in with him until the break of day. Now, we don't know exactly when it started, but it probably wasn't late on into the evening because he's just taken his family over the river and he's got settled down. And yet, he's prepared to struggle and to wrestle all night. When was the last time you wrestled? with God in prayer. Not necessarily for yourself, but for somebody that you love and you're concerned about. Because you know that they're on a highway to hell. They will spend an eternity on their own, separated from God, separated from those they love. Are you concerned for them? People that you love, that you're concerned about, and you're not sure what's happening. Have you prayed for them? Have you wrestled on their behalf? Have you pleaded with the Lord to intervene into their lives? You see, Jacob was absolutely determined that God was going to bless him. There's no way he was going to let this, this night go by without receiving the blessing that he had been told from before he was born that he would receive. And he wanted to take hold of it. The prophet Isaiah, if you remember last week, put it so simply and yet so dramatically when he said, Jacob took hold of his brother's heel in the womb. And then the, the prophet goes on and says, and in his strength he struggled with God. One of the problems with Christians today is we've got a load of quitters on the scene. Churches are full of them. The minute the pressure builds up, they quit. In fact, some of them haven't even started, let alone quit. And as they've gone through their uh, perhaps childhood and they've been brought up in a church and they've taken everything for granted, they've done what they've been told, they've experienced the experience that has been presented for them, but it's never their own experience. It's the one that has almost been manufactured for them. And as long as they tow the party line, as long as they do the right thing, as long as they do this, go there, say this, kneel at the right time, stand at the right time. I always find it interesting going to Eastern Europe to church because they would sit to sing and stand to pray. And it was completely the opposite way around. Why? I've no idea. But it was interesting to see that. And you just hope that the prayers perhaps weren't too long. <laughs> Hosea brought these two actions together and he presented the picture of a man who was just not going to let this blessing slip by. And yet today, it strikes me that we're quite prepared to sit back 
and say, you know, well, God, if you want to bless me, that's fine. No, it's not. We want to be blessed. We want to be encouraged. We want to see our friends encouraged. We want to see blessing brought into their lives. We want to see them meet with God. And so we have an obligation to fight in our prayers for them. And because of this, God loved Jacob. No one but no one wanted to be the recipient of God's greatest blessing more than Jacob did. And that's what we want in our lives as well. We shouldn't be prepared to let the blessing pass us by. Hosea points out that Jacob is wrestling at Peniel was simply, the act, uh, was simply acting and behaving true to his character. He was always utterly determined to receive the choicest of God's gifts and he was not allowing anything or anyone to stand in his way. Now you might be sat here this evening thinking, well, quite frankly, I don't really know what he's talking about. Well, if you've never wrestled and you've never experienced the blessing of God, then you won't know what I'm talking about. If you've never taken the time to search and to pray and to call and to shout and to read God's Word and just to seek His blessing, no, of course, you will struggle to understand. Now Moses, in Exodus 15, verse 3, states this. It's a verse that we don't often think about. He simply says this, the Lord is a warrior. Do we all know what a warrior is? Okay, well, it's someone who is fighting. Again, there's that sense of determination. But the Lord is described as a warrior. So you could say that in a sense, the Lord is always wrestling with us. Because he's a warrior. You know, he knows what's in our hearts. And he knows the times when we turn away from him. When we walk in the opposite direction. When we deliberately avoid being confronted, being challenged by Him. The Lord is always wrestling with us as we continually attempt to assert our own wills rather than be content with the will of God. Which you don't need me to tell you is always the best. And yet we're happy to settle for second best. If our choice could be second best compared to God's. Now the account of Jacob here as he wrestles with the Lord at Peniel is perhaps especially relevant for you. If you find yourself in a critical time in your life and your future. And there's a sense of fear and foreboding. That you have now, I, you know. I don't know all of you. In fact, I don't know a great deal of detail about many of you. But it could be that in your life there is a sense of foreboding as to what the future holds. Uh, we stand at very uncertain times at the moment. Uh, people seem to think that COVID is over and everything's going to be fine. But China's 
going back into lockdown again. Cases are rising massively in Europe at the moment. And there, there is a sense of fear that is beginning to be bred by the media. You just notice it. And people are afraid. They're afraid because they don't want to die. They're afraid because the future is uncertain. And we read in verse 24, Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. Friends, there are times in our lives when we perhaps feel that God himself has ambushed us, and it feels as though God himself is even against us. Everybody else is against us, and suddenly we get that feeling that even God is against us. Well, I'm going to say this to you. That's great. Why do I say this very simply? Because it means that God loves you very much. He's determined to catch your attention, to get you to listen to what he has to say, because what he has to say is the very best for you. His will is always the place to be. We've spoken about it before. It's far better to be in the storm with the waves lapping over the side of the boat in the will of God than on a beach and the sun lounger with a packet of crisps and a pink lemonade. Because in the storm, if that's where God wants you to be, that's the safest place. And that will bring joy even though you're worried concerned maybe very simply because it must mean that God loves you very very much he loves you so much that he puts time and energy opposing you until your selfish will submits to his will because he knows that that's the best for you, and he loves you to receive that. Friends, you need to see that this grim and deadly struggle is designed to break the remnant of pride that remain in your life and to render your spirit to be sweet and docile and sensitive to the Lord's slightest whisper. So that you can hear the things that you never thought you could hear before. The slightest nudge in your life. Because he's nudging you into his will. So he doesn't have to shout at you anymore. He points you in the direction. Now, That's the place we want to be. Our ears are attuned. It's it's like my wife, okay? Um, You know, we can be sound asleep at night, middle of the night, two o'clock, three in the morning, and the baby wakes up. Guess what I do? Spot on. Exactly. What does she do? Well, she fumbles out of bed, but she's attuned to the need of the little one. And that's our God. When we're in the right place, when our character 
has become attuned to that desire to know God working in our lives so that we see His will, so that we want to be in His will, so that, friends, we are in His will. Just nudges us along. Jacob had undergone a long preparation for that moment when he would enter into the promised land and become an active partner in the outworking of his destiny. It is like here at Peniel, Jacob passes through God's finishing school. Some of us haven't even started in the school of faith yet. You know, we've been told there's a God, and we tick the block, I believe in God. That's great. So does the majority of the world. You know, the average person in the street will say, well, at the end of the day, science doesn't prove a great deal because it had to start somewhere, didn't it? And so, yes, I believe in God. But this is different. And so, Jacob is learning. He's learning. He's being prepared. The Lord is a warrior and he continuously steers us in the right direction. There are times when we think, oh, I've made that decision. No, you haven't. God's made that decision for you. You know, you thought you had it all planned out, all worked out. Everything was under your control. No, it wasn't. God's hand was there. And when you look back, you see it. And you rejoice in it. Because suddenly you've ended up in the right place. And you never thought for one moment you'd end up in the right place. But you did because God steered you in that direction and brought you to that place. Perhaps in your working life, in your family life, or even in your church life. In fact, he works with us in all areas of our life. That's an interesting thought, isn't it? How many of us allow God to work in certain areas of our life? And we've got a little circle or a line. <laughs> a couple of hands going up at the front here. And we don't let him work in all areas of our lives. But we have to. Because this relationship with God is not a part-time thing. It's not just giving part of our life to him. It's giving all to him. All to Jesus I surrender. Do we sing that? You know, we love the tune. We sing it loudly. But do we mean it? Do we really mean it? He works in all areas of our lives. And in all these circumstances, God is wrestling with us as He seeks to conform our will to His. Strangely though, it's just when we become aware of our willfulness and seek to concede that the conflict suddenly becomes more real, more intense, more personal. You see, this is when the Lord wants to know how serious we are. How far are we prepared to go? And we see this time and time again in the Scriptures. Just how far are we prepared to go? We've begun to see the will of God. We recognize it. We're beginning to follow. But how far are we prepared to go? He wants to know just how serious we are. 
How far are we prepared to go? How determined are we to please Him? How desperate are we to receive His blessing? And it's often at this point that many of us fail. So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. Now we have to think to ourselves, at this point, wouldn't it have been easy just to give up? And I think, I've, I've never been involved in a wrestling match. If there's anyone here, you don't have to admit it, but I think you have to give like a double tap, is it, or something, to say, I surrender, I give it, stop hurting me. <laughs> something like that. And it would have been easy for Jacob to have done that, to have simply given up. And that's another problem in the church today. We've got people who just give up. Yeah, Lord, I can't do this. You're asking too much of me. And yet God never asks more from us than he is prepared to give us the ability to cope and to stand and to deal with. We hear words like this, it's hopeless. Here I am trying to pray and even God is against me. There is no point in carrying on any further. And sadly, some feel this even to the point of taking their own lives. Because nobody seems to care for them. Nobody loves them. God doesn't love them. And yet he loves us so much that he was prepared to send his son to die for us. That we can live. And not just live to buy time. But to properly live, to live with freedom, to live with hope, a hope that is absolutely assured and guaranteed. Because that's the life we want. Who wants second best? Here I am seeking the Lord's help and wanting to please him and all the Lord does is come and attack me. All he does is fight me. And so many who consider themselves as believers despair when this happens and are spiritually defeated. Friends, I need to say this clearly. The days are not getting easier for us as believers. There are people out to thwart the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I know they've always been there. But there's a determination to stop us now. And a church that's prepared to stand and to preach the gospel is particularly in their sights. Friends, we must never give in, especially when it appears that God is against us. Great rewards await those who hold on for what seems like, you know, like grim death's sake. Believers who seriously want to be used by the Lord will have their resolve tested. 
Churches that are serious about evangelism. Churches that are serious about sharing the message and the gospel of salvation. Not just with the community around us, but the whole world. Because that's the message that we spoke of this morning. What did we read that our Lord said? He said, go. Two letters. Is there anybody who doesn't understand what that word means? Does anybody need clarity? As to what our Lord was speaking about. Go into the world. Proclaim the gospel. Yes, it's easy to misinterpret perhaps what is happening. And to become completely discouraged. In fact, many people find that as soon as they attempt to deepen their commitment to Christ. That everything that can go wrong. Does go wrong. And Joe and I, we found this recently. There's been some exciting things that have been happening within this fellowship. There have been exciting things that have been taking place in our community as we've endeavored to preach and to share the gospel, as we've endeavored to encourage people. And at the same time, in our family, it's been hard. At the same time that you grow closer to the Lord, don't you notice how problems come along? Things to stop you reading your Bible. Things to stop you going to church. The excuses for not going to church these days are unbelievable. <clears throat> and it's so often at these times that we discover that our enemy is determined to bring those things across our path to stop us. And it's so tragic, the result the people will turn away. They will fail to enter into the spiritual inheritance that is ours. And, and do you know where they're prepared to go? They're prepared to go back into the wilderness, back to the cucumbers in Egypt. Who wants a cucumber? Exactly. I mean, they like for a little bit. But do you know your body burns up more energy eating a cucumber than what it gains from the cucumber? And yet that's what the people wanted. To go back into the wilderness. Are you happy in the wilderness? No way. But here in this account, Jacob absolutely does not misinterpret what is happening. This godly man sees his title to the promised land very clearly. And despite this pretty frightening experience, he knows that God intends him to have it. Friends, Jacob has come to that place spiritually where along with Job, he can say, though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. Job 13 and verse 15. So, Jacob was alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. Then the man saw that he could not overpower him. He touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Friends, the struggle is real. The struggle that's going on here is real. And it goes on for hours. But all at once, this mysterious stranger, this traveler unknown, suddenly reveals his power by touching his hip. 
and it's wrenched. I, I won't ask if anyone's had their hip wrenched out of joint. I think Henry fell down something when he was a little bit younger, and it hurt, but I don't know if it hurt that much. Just a single touch cripples Jacob's efforts and brings him quickly to an end. Just a single touch. That's it. Brings him to the end of himself. And friends, there are times when we need to thank God for that kind of divine touch. We often thank God for a healing touch. But when did you last thank God for a crippling touch? But for Jacob, this crippling touch was the beginning of the fulfillment of all that God had for him. Friends, we need to thank God for these moments when we suddenly realize just how weak and helpless we are. And some of us are determined never to accept that. All of our proud ideas and our fancy schemes fall to the ground, provided that is that we do not fall with them. It is sad when believers have been taught by the grace of God, by the grace of God to despair of themselves, that they only wallow in self-pity and conclude that they are useless. It's very sad when this situation occurs and often their outlook can be a self-fulfilling prophecy. But Jacob doesn't fall into this trap. He realizes that there has to be more. You see, a humbling experience like this, the crippling of Jacob, will lead to despair unless we go on to understand by faith that Christ, 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9, power is made perfect in what? Weakness. And at this point, events take a surprising turn for Jacob. The man wrestling with Jacob says, let me go. For it's daybreak. What does Jacob say? Yeah, it's all right, you can go. Is that what he says? No. Jacob says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Out of joint, falling to the ground, playing dead, or hoping his adversaries will depart. <laughs> Keep talking. Oh, okay. I understand now. Sorry. Uh, I'm a guy, you know, I can't do two things at once, so to speak. You see, far from giving up, falling to the ground, playing dead, whatever it is, hoping his adversary will depart. Though he can no longer fight, what does he do? Sorry, got to go this way. What does he do? Jacob clings on for utter desperation. Charles Wesley put it this way. He said, other refuge have I none. Hangs my helpless soul on thee. Leave, I'll leave me not alone. Still support and comfort me. You see, at this point, 
Jacob knows what he has to do. He's greatly excited. This is the most critical moment of his spiritual experience. If he fails now, he might be left in despair for the rest of his life. And there are times that we could be in that situation as well. He could not run after the one who had crippled him because he can't. So what does he do? He has to hang on in absolute desperation. He clings to him. He has to cling to the Lord. And there are times that we need to be brought to that point where we simply cling to the Lord. Because there's nothing else we can do. We can't run after him. Yes, it was hard for Jacob. And it's especially hard for those who have considerable natural ability. Very, very often, it is our own strengths that lie in the way of the real blessings that we seek. When Jacob was strong, the Son of God attacked him, and he was immediately on the defensive. Now Jacob is weak. He takes the initiative, and he clings on for all he's worth. What a wonderful picture that we have here. And yet how sad it is that we so easily give up. How simple, and yet how so so profound are the lessons that we have learned. We see that the Lord is overjoyed with Jacob's insistence on being blessed by him. The Lord has always loved Jacob, but never more than right now. And immediately there comes the glorious reward of grace. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. What does Jacob mean? The one who grasps the heel. That's what my name means. It means the supplanter. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. In effect, what our Lord Jesus Christ says to Jacob is this. You're no longer the supplanter. You're the one I choose to love. The one who will be the father of a nation I have chosen to love. From now on, you will be called, he struggles with God, Israel. For you have done so, and you have overcome. But had he not lost the contest? Well, in natural terms, of course he had. How could anyone defeat God? But Jacob's victory was in spiritual terms. Now look, I've thought about this and I've prayed about this. And I've endeavored to seek help from Bible commentaries. But I'm going to say it after all. God himself is unable to withstand the power of faith in his own promises. 
I believe that the Apostle Paul knew this secret when he penned 2 Corinthians 12.10. He said, when I am weak, then I am strong. Friends, it is a total mystery to the world, but an open uh, secret to all believers in the Lord Jesus Christ who have grasped it. Have you experienced for yourself the true meaning of the name Israel? You have discovered how to wrestle with God and wait for it, prevail. Doesn't sound quite right to say it, but that's what we have here. Have you discovered how to wrestle with God and wait for it prevail? Jacob changed, and his change of name marks the moment when the time of preparation for the new nation gives way to a time of fulfillment. Now, greatly emboldened by the stranger's words and the characteristically wishing to pursue it to its limits, such a unique opportunity for further revelation, Jacob says, please tell me your name. Now, notice here that for hours he has ventured everything on the conviction that he is struggling with the Lord himself. It's not as though he is ignorant of the man's identity, nor even that he is seeking confirmation. With great daring, he wants to be told more about God's nature than has yet been revealed. How typical of Jacob. And at the same time, how admirable. And what follows now is no rebuke from God. It is merely that the request exceeds what the Lord at this time is prepared to reveal. And the Lord counters with, why do you ask my name? This is important. In other words, Jacob, you know who I am. And that is enough for you. It is thrilling to realize that we know far more of the Savior's name than ever Jacob did on earth. And then verse 29 comes into play. Then he blessed him there. And this is the point that we close on. After the fight takes place, the wrestling match takes place, it is there that the Lord blesses Jacob. And so friends, if you're facing a wrestling match, and I hope you are. God will bless you. Because you have prevailed. He had a uniquely close encounter with the Son of God and survived. He knows it is all of grace. And then in verse 31 we read, The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel. A new day of light and hope was dawning after the darkness of that dreadful night. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Well, as our Lord Jesus says in Mark chapter 9, verse 45, it is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. Now do you begin to see what's going on here. Friends, I hope and pray you know the Lord Jesus is your Savior. 
that you've called out to him for salvation, that you have wrestled with him to save you, that you've recognized the sin in your life, you've recognized just how dreadful your sin is to God, and you've repented. You've placed your hope and your trust and your belief in the Savior. I read a beautiful testimony recently of a young woman who explained the wrestling match she had been through. And at the end of it, she prevailed. And you can. And you need to. Because if you don't, the consequences are eternal. And you don't want to know them. So this evening, call on the name of the Lord for your salvation. Do as Jacob did. Wrestle until you have the blessing that you want and that God wants for you. Don't settle for second best. Don't listen to other people. Some of the stuff people say, even in churches, is absolutely outrageous. But this is between you and the Lord. Wrestle. Don't give in. Don't give in. Prevail.